Well, hello and welcome to Strategic Thinking, a podcast series produced by Gray, Gray and Gray, featuring CEOs, founders and other senior business leaders discussing what's happening in their industry and how they are strategically guiding their companies for growth. I am Brian Pierce, Director of Strategic Business Planning for Gray, Gray and Gray and your host for this series. I'm excited to share with you these conversations with innovative business leaders in New England and beyond, and I am confident that our listeners will gain many insights that they will find valuable for more rapidly growing their businesses, regardless of their industry. My guest today is John Cerulli, CEO of Acumentrics in Walpole, Mass. John has over 25 years of experience in both financial and operational management in both public and private companies, and is currently leading the strategic planning refresh for Acumentrics. Prior to becoming CEO, John also served for 11 years as Chief Financial Officer of Acumentrics. John received his BS in accounting from Bentley University in 1993 and has served on the board of directors for several not-for-profit and charitable organizations. While consumers, business, and military all rely increasingly on dependable, portable power for our tools and devices, many elements have to come together to provide the stable primary and backup power necessary for the applications that users depend upon, and this is a multi-billion dollar global market with double-digit growth forecast for most segments over the foreseeable future. So John, thanks for joining me today. It seems like the power business is a very exciting place to operate. Thank you, Brian, and uh, it's a pleasure to participate in this series. Uh, Gray Grand Gray has been a very strong, loyal, trusted partner of Acumentrics uh, dating back to 2004. So I thank you and your colleagues for everything that you guys have done for us um, over the past 17 years working together. Well, thank you, John, and, and we look forward to your insights today. So maybe a good place to start is Acumentrics has been a trusted market leader in what I would call critical power solutions used in military and commercial applications since 1994. How have you strategically grown and expanded the product range of the company over the years to meet the changing power demands of uh, all of your customers? Uh, we changed our selling strategy uh, approximately five or six years ago, where we recognized that our customers, primarily the uh, United States Defense Department and various other government agencies, was lacking the power expertise to solve for the power problems of these very large integrated systems that they were fielding. So what we did as a result is we we shifted from basically selling, I'll call it a commodity or a standard 2,500 watt or 1,000 watt system to what we call total selling solutions. We would engage the customer early on in the process so that we were part of the designing of the power solution. And when we talk about power solutions, it's a combination of not only our uninterruptible power supplies that are ruggedized for very harsh challenging environments such as the military faces on a daily basis, but it includes power distribution units, it includes cables, it includes transit cases, it includes everything else that you would consider to be an all-in power solution so that when the customer is getting this product, all they have to do is basically turn on the switch and everything is there for them. I often compare our business <clears throat> to the photocopy paper or the printer paper that goes into a printer. 
nobody buys the paper before they buy the printer. But in the military or the Defense Department, they're looking at these very large integrated systems. And very often, those systems won't run without power. But power is never a leading indicator of the sale. So as a result, we're constantly having to kind of adapt our product line along the lines of what can we morph from our existing product portfolio? What can we blend with it to deliver a total solution? So that system at the end of the day, remember the printed doesn't work without the paper. So at the system at the end of the day has everything it needs so that as soon as the applicant needs that system to work to save their lives in many cases, um, the power turns on. And that's what we started to do about five or six years ago. And candidly, it provided for us an enormous amount of stickiness with our customers. Stickiness is a tremendous thing in, in any business. Um, it provided certain barriers of entry to fend off competitive threats. Uh, it actually allowed us to maybe increase your average sell price, increase your gross margin slightly by creating that total solution for your customers. And it really helped turn around our business. When I say turn around, I should say catapulted our business to where over the past five years, we've enjoyed rather high double digit growth on an annual basis. So it's, 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 it's bared a significant amount of fruit for us. John, that, that's great. And, uh, you know, well done to you and, and your team. I guess one of the things that, you know, you mentioned as part of the sale of the strategy is really engaging with your customers and understanding you know, their needs and requirements. Thing. Single most important thing for you. Yeah, We have a variety of sayings at Acumentrix, and one of the things that I try and preach the most uh, is relationships. Uh, relationships matter to me. As I said at the beginning of this phone call, we've had a relationship with Gray Grand Gray for 17 years. That means something. Absolutely. That means that if I have a question that I need answered, Gray Grand Gray is there for us. It also translates to Gray Grand Gray trusts what Acumetrix is doing. So take that same relationship to our customer base. If we can establish relationships with our customers such that they're confident that we're going to deliver them the right solution, we're confident in what they're telling us, it helps shape our technology roadmap. It helps shape our forecasting ability for our planning of production, of, again, supply chain, uh, it, it matters. To, to be in business for one-offs is a very challenging, non-rewarding effort. Uh, I'll walk away from one-off business because I'm more interested in developing that trusted relationship. Yeah, well said. Well, you mentioned supply chain, which I'm sure has been a yeah. uh, challenging part of your <laughs> life over the last uh, year and a half or so. Uh, as we all know, the supply chain for many electronic and battery components has been significantly impacted uh, by shortages due in large part, I guess, to COVID pandemic, perhaps other causes as well. And I wonder you know, what advice you would have for other companies that are seeking to make their supply chain more resilient and, and some of the ways perhaps that you've managed or are managing through this, uh, this current challenge. I'll tell you, I think supply chain went from being just another ordinary business category to perhaps one of the primary strategic business challenges any business faces today. Mm -hmm. um, it's been wild over the past 16 to 17 months 
in every business, in every environment, in every industry, started with the beginning of the pandemic as far as people being fearful of toilet paper shortages <laughs> and look at, look at what happened. It, but, but rip that forward now, 18 months, um, factories have had to shut down because of COVID risk. Uh, there's been disruptions all along the supply chain, which has forced businesses to basically rip up the old supply chain theories of just-in-time inventory or maintaining a 90-day uh, kind of availability uh, in the supply chain pipe to, to really push inventory turns and, and, and things that we've all grown up on in business. You know what I mean? It's completely upside down today. So Acumentrix was forced in 2020 to take a defensive position and basically bring on site upwards of 90 to 120 days worth of inventory at any one point in time. So our inventory is bloated probably, I don't want to brag, I'm not bragging about this in any way, but I'd say our inventory is probably 50% higher than it needs to be today as a defensive position because I cannot afford to have disruption to my production schedules because my customers, i.e. the government in the United States military is, is waiting for orders that I'll be penalized if I'm not able to deliver on time. So I cannot afford disruption in my supply chain, but it is comes with consequences. So increased inventory equals what? You know, significant cash burn. Sure. Um, so you're you're taxing your financial reserves, you're taxing your facilities because you need more space to store more inventory. Uh, how you're handling that material, dealing with your lovely auditors such that you're not going to necessarily have to take uh, you know, slow moving inventory reserves and, and be faced with all those things. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible task that needs to be managed literally almost by a daily basis by our team, our operations team. Fortunately for Acumetrics, we have an incredible team that is literally laser beam focused because it has ripple effects throughout the entire organization. As I said, obviously it contributes to margins. Obviously it contributes to cash utilization. It's critical. Um, and it's something that we talk about on a daily basis. Now push that forward two, three, five years. Anytime you start talking about strategic planning, you can plan to grow at double digit growth. You can plan to go grow into new areas, into new product. But if you don't have that supply chain figured out well in advance to be able to meet that growing demand, you might as well stop now. So that's why I say I think strategic, uh, I'm sorry, the supply chain has become an element in every strategic discussion. So John, you talked about engaging customers. I assume a lot of those same principles have applied as you've you know, dealt with your supply chain, your, your suppliers, and I guess communications must be incredibly important to try and uh, you know get your fair share of the product that is being produced by the suppliers and let them know what you need going forward. Hundred percent. That relationship speech that I gave earlier translates to every single stakeholder in the organization, which means yeah. customer facing, which means employees internally, means your professionals associated with the organization. And of course your vendor base, you know, I'm only as good as my vendor base is. So if my vendors have disruption, um, IE translates to disruption or complications for us and you can't afford that. So you need to be out in front of everything 
in the word you brought up, communication is vital mm. because you need to constantly be, be communicating with your vendors because you have to hope that they're telling you the truth. And I will tell you, in today's world, I think even the information you tend to get from trusted resources in your vendor community is suspect. And it's not done maliciously. It's not done because you know they, they want to lie to you. Sometimes they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's on that container that's coming in. They don't know what's what's showing up on their dock because I, I go back to the recent lumber shortages in, in the skyrocketing lumber prices that we've all seen during the springtime of, of 2021. That's not as a result of, you know, I'll say Home Depot or the lumber yards having a problem. That's because the logging industry was shut down for a period of time. So it's not necessarily the person directly in behind you that's that's creating the problem. It's, it could be three or four layers deep in that supply chain that is actually the disruptive part. And that's why the communication is vital. In John, plan- what, what is your prediction in terms of when, you know, a lot of these uh, snafus in the supply chain will work themselves through and, you know, will return to some semblance of normal uh, you know, in the in the major commodities and so on that are important in, in many companies' supplies? My honest opinion is it is the end of the year. I keep saying we need to ride this out to the end of 2021 and 2022 things should rebound. I, I say that, but we sometimes like to lapse into the excuse mode. So right now there's a convenient excuse known as COVID as to why a lot of businesses are struggling to operate or can't operate. And obviously it's been an incredibly traumatic event to our world. Uh, and obviously everybody's been impacted one way or another and you can't hide from that. But at some point in time, you have to reemerge from that. And I'm hopeful uh, that we're doing the right things as a society, as a world uh, to reemerge from that successfully. And so I think it will take time a lot of these things will take time to balance back out, but it's a new world in regards to how things are being manufactured. It, you know, again, from the supply chain perspective, I mean, look at what the governor of Massachusetts said yesterday regarding the shifts that the state of Massachusetts is making for the new impending remote workforce that they see for the next decade plus. When Acumentrix officially moved to a remote work environment in March 18th of 2020. We thought it was going to last two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And here we are talking about being remote for the next decade because we've learned to adapt. Well, businesses being able to adapt from a remote working environment or, or changing how they've done business for years and decades has ripple effects in supply chain. So. Sure. You know, you're not going to need certain things for these large 100,000 square foot, million square foot offices. That changes the supply chain. So you could see how, here's another example. I think it was ketchup. There was a tremendous shortage of individual packets of ketchup because for so long, ketchup was being packaged in large industrial size containers for the restaurant industry. Well, when nobody's going into the restaurants and everybody's doing takeout, that doesn't help you. So there was a dynamic shift in all of the packaging for ketchup in the, in, in the country where they had to now shift to the small one ounce packets. 
that doesn't happen overnight. And then to turn it back on, such as the restaurant industry can get back up to speed with what they need, takes time. And so that's why I say, I'm hopeful that it transitions back to whatever the new normal is by the beginning of 2022. But I still think we're trying to figure out a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question about it, but appreciate your perspective on that. John, uh, next question, I wanted to go back a little bit on uh, on customers and, and products. And obviously, a big part of your business historically has been, uh, you know, U.S. Department of Defense and, and military customers and so on. I wonder, uh, you know, how you think about that in, in an environment where perhaps defense spending, you know, gets pared back a little bit, uh, or at least gets put on hold for a period of time uh, in some some areas? And, and how do you think about diversifying, you know, the products and services that you're selling potentially to more commercial customers and, and so on to deal with that? That's one of the biggest questions Acumetrix has faced for the past five years, and it's <laughs> likely to be the biggest question that Acumetrix faces for the next five years. We have long wanted to diversify our revenue to include at least some part of non-defense uh, revenue. And, and what we've learned is that, especially in this new changing world, identifying what I like to call the new new is risky and it's scary and sometimes very, very, very challenging. Mm -hmm. Not that it's something that we don't want to do, but I think you have to tread carefully, especially in today's world putting out large investments to identify potentially new product, new markets, new customers is far more risky in today's world and environment, as opposed to leaning on what we've done and what organizations have done successfully and well for many, many years. As it relates to the specific core marketplace that we're in with the military, while yes, I could see disruption to overall aggregate military spending, you opened up the podcast today with the talk about the expanding size of the marketplace for remote power, primary power, backup power, power conditioning. It's incredible today how much more power is needed with everything that we do. How often do you say on a daily basis, I need to charge my blank? Mm -hmm. And imagine that rippled across the world with every individual and every system is constantly looking for power. And as a result of that, we're seeing actually far more opportunity in our core sector than we ever envisioned. So yes, Acumetrix, with the help of one of our core board members, has been doing some significant strategic planning over the past five months for the next three to five years. And we're learning that there's a lot more room to grow in our core. And being in the core is probably a safer more reliable return on investment for us right now than trying to branch off into the unknown and new markets with new product. Not that we won't do it at some point in time, but in today's world, we see ourselves investing heavily back into the core marketplace because we think that we can find equally enough growth there as we've had over the past five years for the next three to five years. It's interesting. And I guess that's 
really where the benefit of these uh, close relationships with your core 100%. customers come from and, and helping uh, to, to co-develop with them what the future might looks like. I, I guess, uh, you know, if you're a soldier carrying a heavy pack around uh, the field somewhere, you, you can only carry so much weight in that pack. And so I suppose a big part of it is just how do we uh, take the power needs that we have and continue to find ways to make them miniaturized, lighter, whatever uh, phrase you want to put on it. That, you know, so, so I, I want to take a couple of steps back in, in, in that statement in regards to the relationships that we talked about earlier are the very thing that's carried Acumentrix since Q3 of 2020 to, through to today. We've been able to rely on the relationships that we've established for the past half decade in pull-in business, uh, assign new business uh, to help support our business and continue our growth. I, as I said, identifying the new new is a very difficult thing in this COVID world. You and I can both work remotely. I'm sure there's a lot of other of our colleagues working remotely, but you can't necessarily test a weapons system in your backyard. <laughs> your neighbors frown upon it. Um, and a lot of other people just say, no, you can't do that. So Access to military bases, access to your partners is critical to developing the new business opportunities that will carry you into 22, 23, and 24. That's what's just now starting to reopen for Acumentrics because it's been shut down for the past 12 months. Uh, civilian uh, access to bases has been shut down. Civilian access to certain testing sites of the governments has been shut down. So again, developing the new new, even in our core, has been a challenge for us. Your other statement in regards to the perpetual need to get smaller and lighter, that's been at the core of Acumetrics' technology roadmap for the past decade. It started with our very first product <clears throat> that measures basically for you, which translates to about a seven inch high 2,500 watt system that weighs about 150 pounds, okay? We're now down to literally the size of a hard covered book uh, 100 watt, two pound unit. Um, and the, we've gone all the way down from 4U, 3U, 2U, 1U, and now what we call our pack power to serve that exact need that you just talked about as far as remote, individual used, carried type power. Um, and we call them a small form factor UPS because it's not just a battery. You can charge and discharge at the same time. It's got smart USB ports. So it allows you to do a lot more with one. Like I said, I think it's about six inches by nine inches by about two inches thick, um, two pound, hundred watt unit. And uh, it's a pretty interesting product that we've introduced to our product portfolio, seeing traction in both our core marketplace and our non-core <clears throat> opportunities that we've seen. Uh, but yes, that constant drive to get smaller and lighter, eventually soldier worn is what they want to get to at some point in time, uh, is incredibly important. It's fascinating how you've been able to shrink the size of those things over a period of what, a decade or so. It's that we introduced the 4U product back in 1996. And to tell you the truth, we expected that product for the most part, to go not end of life, but to, to be less than 10% of our revenue stream literally five years ago. Uh, and today it's still in the 30 to 35% range. So 
despite the quest of getting smaller and getting lighter, that core product, which we refer to as our B2K, um, is still a juggernaut and uh, it's still widely used throughout the world. Fantastic. John, that takes me to my next question, which is something that we've talked about uh, in the past here, which is the the importance of innovation and kind of the distinction between, you know, invention and creating something brand new, the new new, perhaps, as you describe it, and, you know, innovation and continuous innovation, which is much like you've been describing here with uh, with UPS, where uh, continuing to just make it better and better and better and lighter and, and uh, all of those things. And I wonder what your perspective is on both invention and innovation, and, and then also particularly, how do you create this culture of continuous innovation in an organization? So you could probably have an hour-long show just on this question alone of, of innovation versus invention. And to me, I like to think of it as invention is the quest of trying to discover something new or there's a, you know, I got to go find a new mineral on Mars to do this X better. Um, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge for everybody today. And if you look at, and again, well, we're not necessarily a battery business, but if you look at the dollars and the resources being poured into battery technology, uh, from the old-fashioned lead-acid batteries to lithium batteries to LFP batteries to now in the next evolution is solid-state batteries to what Tesla is doing. Um, billions and billions and billions of dollars of research are being poured into what's the next great battery. That's invention. To me, innovation comes with basically starting to ask the very basic question of, can I do this better? Is there a better way to do what I'm doing today? And if there is, that potentially is innovation. As I said in the beginning of our podcast, when you talked about where's our growth come from over the past five years, when we introduced that selling strategy of total selling solution to Acumetrics and candidly to our marketplace, that was innovative. It was an innovative approach as to how we sell to our customers and how our customers receive and see Acumetrics. That was a game changer for us. And it's that type of basic question of, if you can answer, can I do this better? That's innovation. And that's why at Acumentrics, what we constantly try and challenge ourselves with, and I ask people who join Acumentrics in regards to, I, I want you to be a change agent for us because a fresh set of eyes is good in every single case. And if there's a better way for us to do something, please introduce it to us because that's the thinking that we want to foster at Acumentrics is that, Although we've been successful with what we've done for the first 26 years of our business life, um, there's always an opportunity to grow. There's always room to improve. There's always a pursuit that we should chase to be better as individuals and as a professionals and as, of course, an enterprise and operation. So it really comes right back even to your recruiting process for Absolutely new team does. players. Absolutely, it does. I, I, I try and... You know, like I said, when I interview people, and I don't interview everybody in the organization, but I ask the question on the surface because I don't, I don't necessarily want to have people join Acumetrics that are afraid to ask a question because uh, that's that can be disruptive. Excellent. 
John, the, the final thought that we might explore here is, uh, as you think about your strategic planning process at Acumentrix, there's always this tension between, you know, revenue growth and, mm -hmm. and maintaining profitability and profit growth. Every, every expense dollar that you invest to try and create new products and services, uh, you know, may help out on revenue in the short term, but obviously it takes a while for profitability to follow. And I just wonder how you approach that, how you strike the balance. Well, I'll let you know if my thinking is correct after my board meeting next week, where I'm going to ask <laughs> my board if I can spend some of my anticipated profit this year. Um, it's it's a constant battle, uh, not, not battle. It's a constant challenge in regards to you have to spend money in order to make money. Uh, it's a age old, you know, adage. It, in you we have to make investments in our organization. One of the things with our strategic plan that Acumentrix is looking at is that if we anticipate significant growth on our core market, I need to invest dollars today in 2021 to start to harvest that. And one of the challenges in Acumentrix's core marketplace, in which many of your other businesses may see as well, is the sales cycle can be 12 to 24 plus months long. Mm -hmm. So I need to, as I often say, if my sales team is working today, you know, June 14th or July 14th of 2021, those revenue dollars that they're working to earn today are for 2022 and 2023. You have to seed that growth. So for us, I've got an incredibly supportive board and an incredibly supportive shareholder group that has been with us for a very long time. Uh, that understands the fact that we need to spend some of our profit today uh, in return of getting the growth that we anticipate. And they also trust our management team and myself, obviously, to get back to the right profitability margins that a company like Acumentrix should be at. So I think from my perspective, what you're going to see with Acumentrix is probably some level of compressed profitability over the next 24 months while we invest into the growth strategy for the next 60 months, uh, and then a significant upturn um, in both revenue and profitability within the next three to five years. Now, fortunately for Acumentrix is we've been profitable for a very long time. Um, we have a very strong base to our business. Uh, so one feeds the other. And mm -hmm. so they, we, we've been fortunate. Yeah, I think that's really great. I, I was actually uh, talking with some people earlier today about, you know, the company life cycle that we're all familiar with the uh, the sine curve, if you will. And, you know, as you, you know, enter more mature markets or your company uh, achieves maturity, what do you need to do to continue that uptick in, in the, uh, the growth of the business and avoid decline? And it sounds like you're doing a great job of that with, um, you know, continually investing, uh, hiring people that are innovative, continuing to create a culture of innovation, and certainly really working hard to understand the needs of your customers and your suppliers uh, as, uh, as they all have to come together, the people, the suppliers, and of course your customers. So John, really appreciate uh, your insights today. Any final comments before we uh, sign off? No, and again, I just wanna go back to the relationship again that we have with Gray, Gray and Gray and the partnership that we have that it, I can only use that as the perfect example as to how to run a successful business um, and survive during times like we've had over the last 18 months is you need to rely on the people 
uh, that are around you. And uh, it, it, it helps a lot to build those relationships and that trust. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a fun business to be in when you can call upon friends and, and those trusted relationships uh, to celebrate the wins. Well, John, thank you. And, and thank you for all that uh, you and your team at Acumentrics are doing to uh, keep our military and our first responders uh, safe and able to, uh, to care for all of privilege. us. Take care now. And thank you for your time today. Thank Bye you. Bye now. Bye-bye.